The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, this is The Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And you are listening to, I think we've determined it is season three, episode two. Yep. Season three. Because we started season three off with such a confident vigor that we didn't even realize it was season three. So yeah, you guys we were are, just in our inner element. Yep. We're doing like, our thing. Yeah, let's do it. And we assumed it was continuing of season two, but nope, it's season three. Uh, it snuck up on us too. Yep. And you can <laughs> sneak up on us as well. If you email us at Baptist and Buddhist at gmail.com, we'd be like, Whoa, what in the world? We actually got an email or like a wow. review on iTunes or sorry, podcasts, Apple podcasts, hate, hate mail, you know? Yeah. YouTube dislike because you can just smash that dislike button. I don't think it's going to do anything. Or you can hit the like button, hit subscribe, the bell notification, find us on the Insta and uh, follow us there, heart all of our photos that we've posted and, and or videos. I don't know what, I don't know what we've posted there. TikTok, we have one video, I think. Check it out. Check Sharon. it out. It's it, it's an old <laughs> announcement for an upcoming video, uh, episode. <laughs> Oh, you could put our skit on TikTok or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, guys. Check out YouTube. Check out our skit. Um, it's pretty funny. A skit. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it's uh, uh, it's not surprisingly it's not titled because we we call it within behind the scenes it's the Baptist versus Buddhist, but it's not actually titled that anywhere. It has uh, a clickbaity name. Yeah, it has a clickbaity name. Maybe we'll change that eventually. I doubt it because we're not that on top of things. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and if you want to find out more about that video, because that video is on YouTube, if you find it, it's, you know, Baptist destroys Buddhist and embarrassingly devastating debate or something like that. I think the um, title is actually Christian Destroys Baptist. Oh, probably. If you Buddhist. search Christian Destroys... Christian... Yeah, <laughs> Christian Destroys Buddhist, not Baptist. Christian Destroys Buddhist, we're like the third video on there. You'll see me screaming. Yeah, so. and I realized this screenshot actually has a spelling mistake. Spelled devastating wrong, but that adds to the humor. <laughs> <laughs> to me, anyways. Um, oh, if you awesome. want to find out more about that, episode of the behind the scenes we talk about that in the last episode season three episode one um we talked about life updates and baptist versus buddhist behind the scenes and uh so yeah. check it out also i have not done this yet but there is a blooper reel i have not posted it yet on our youtube channel i will do that soon as we release these videos so it gains more attention or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you had a blooper reel i sent it to you and you said huh awesome <laughs> <laughs> long time i'll have to go back and look <laughs> i'll have to re-upload it to dropbox probably but anyways um yeah i mean i assumed that you 
would have watched that by now and remembered it, but maybe not. Um, but speaking of assumptions, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to find a good segue here. <laughs> it's a great segue. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of assumptions, we're going to talk about the assumption of the Virgin Mary. No, I'm kidding. Um, or is it the assumption of Christ? I don't even remember what the assumption is uh, in the Catholic oh, terms. But it sounds like you're making assumptions. I am. I am. Um, <laughs> We are going to be talking about something that I actually, like, it's kind of near and dear to my heart um, in terms of uh, everything faith-based, I guess. <laughs> it's hard <laughs> to define it at this point, but uh, we're going to be talking about, like, common misconceptions and or contradictions of the faiths, in parentheses. Um and I think, I mean, this one we probably could have touched on earlier, and we probably did touch on a lot of these oh, before, yeah, too, we, as we, we went through topics. We definitely did. Yeah, yeah. I would assume so. Yeah, don't contradict yourself, though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this, is a, this is a really, I think it can be a very broad subject when it comes to talking about faiths, because the moment you mention a faith, title they're gonna people that are not familiar with that are gonna start making assumptions or uh maybe stating things that they have heard before about it it's like oh yeah mm, i know yeah. this about you guys it's like actually <laughs> that's not right so yeah um before i even begin on my side talking about Con talking about what I hear about Christians, um, like the misconceptions about Christianity or even like Baptist Baptists. I don't know how to say Christianity in Baptist terms. Baptist D. I don't know. Um, what are some of the misconceptions that you might think of or assumptions about the Christian faith that maybe you know are wrong or maybe like you're like, is this even true? I don't know. Like, you know, that's a good question. I mean, you know, obviously I was raised in a Christian household, so maybe I don't have as many misconceptions of Christianity as as a non-Christian would. Uh a lifelong non-Christian, I should say. Um, but you know, I there there are I have come across a few in my adult life that I've heard from otherwise very intelligent people. And it made me go, I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I mean, religion is a hotbed of stereotypes, misconceptions, all that. And differences. Yeah, and I, I hear a lot of people uh, talk about or claim different facts about different faith, faiths that are just outright wrong and definitely rooted in misconception. Um, and honestly, that's, that is one of the reasons why I love studying religion because I want to know what is actually the fact about the religion instead of stereotypes and misconceptions and biases and stuff like that. And, uh, 
I've heard this probably more than once, but definitely once. It was a very specific conversation I remember having, and someone said to me about uh, the creating of the canon of Christianity, the create the creation of the Bible. And it's like, oh yeah, Council of Nicaea. They threw the skull, the scrolls on the table, and whatever didn't stick, would would whatever you know was left on the table and didn't fall off was what became the Bible. And I'm like, I really don't think that's what happened at the Council of Nicaea. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, it's it's it is a historical event that we know what was discussed there. And, you know, if someone, if, if someone not of the Christian faith wants to challenge doctrine or whatever, like, they can go ahead. But if it's a rooted fact, the Council of Nicaea, what took place, what was discussed, what came out of it, and they don't know that, I, it just kind of almost, uh, it's, it doesn't do them a any any good in their credibility when they when they try to challenge something like that with a frankly a ridiculous claim that yeah. <laughs> they threw scrolls on the table and whatever didn't fall off became the bible yeah exactly yeah yeah that was probably like one of the first ones that i ever heard too as a young christian like actually christian um and I'm going to actually go back a little bit because you're like, well, I was raised in a Christian household, so maybe I don't have as much, like, misconception as I would have. And, like, yeah, that's probably true. Um, but even, like, as, like when, I was, when I was saved in 2009, like, I couldn't remember anything about our upbringing in like, like, did I learn anything in church when we went to church? Like, this is all new to me. Like, why have I never, ever heard any of this before? Like, I don't know. It was like, almost like I didn't pay attention or something as a kid. And it's like, I had to relearn, not relearn. I had to like learn everything again. Cause I didn't pay attention the first time, I guess. But, and I mean, there are some things too that, I remember learning that I had to like, oh yeah, what was that that I, like that I learned back then? I gotta look this up and like, was that even a thing? Am I just making things up in my head? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the the scripture canon was like one of the first ones, and it's like, okay, that was a that was a a wrong statement. So how did scripture actually like become canonized quote unquote? Like how did the canon of scripture actually get established? Um, and it really, it's just a matter of history and the, and the church, uh, early on with the writings, even back when the letters were originally dispersed among the churches of, of the Greeks and those in like Jerusalem and all over the, all over the landscape around the Mediterranean. Um, like they had those, you know, and obviously over, over the years, things got copied and distributed and really early, the early churches had everything they needed. Obviously the old Testament was canonized 
in the in the Hebrew faith in the in the Jewish faith and really there's like almost no denying that at that point like okay and the, the New Testament gets kind of more like I'm like some people might question it more like how did this become canon and whatnot um, and really it just be it just was over the time like biblically speaking there would have been prophets and apostles that would confirm the scripture or they would receive scripture first they would write it down and later on in like Paul's life there might have been like uh, prophets that could confirm the word of God and scripture and then over time as uh, those types of spiritual gifts kind of ceased because canon was already basically given like all prophecy was given uh it's just a matter of the people having the the scripture and it just facing the test of time um and then you know there there's other scripture found here and there like the apocrypha um which wasn't even uh accepted as canon anyways even when they put it in the bible it's like these are the apocryphal books which mean like the hidden texts or like uh it wasn't taken as inspired scripture but like maybe some relevancy or historical accuracy there bonus features yeah like bonus <laughs> features yeah um it was in the original 1611 revisions and then the for king james at least and then they were taken out in the later revisions and uh the Catholic Bible still has the Apocrypha, I believe. So um, the canon wasn't like a one-time thing. Like, okay, guys, we got to make this list. Let's do this. And then they just throw scrolls and books. and Yeah, it was an ongoing lexicon. process. Yeah. Yep, yep. And really, like, it hasn't been up for debate for a long time. And no one's, like, saying, well, what about this or this? I mean, there's some people that use extra biblical texts to... Uh, teach out of other uh manuscripts for other purposes but yeah i mean it's pretty established through the test of time so um, i'm not going to get too much more detailed on it at this point because i have a bunch of other stuff to go through but was that like really the only one that you had like a personal uh i think that was like really the only one that I can remember. Um, I mean, there's like other kind of like stereotyping misconceptions that you might hear a lot. Uh, just, you know, in general. Okay. Yeah. Like Christians are all closed minded and, uh, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Just those kind of stereotypes, less misconceptions and more stereotypes, I think. Yeah. Um, which you could say are directly related somehow, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I have one that kind of goes along those lines I'll get to later. Um, the first one I wrote down is that, like, in Christianity, you have to be good to go to heaven. Like, oh, only good people go to heaven. Um, like, ah, I'm not good enough to get to heaven. Um, but really, some churches might kind of tread on those terms. But from my perspective, since we're talking about my, since I'm coming from the quote unquote Baptist perspective, um, 
that's not what the Bible says. It says that no one's good enough to get to heaven. And that's the whole reason why Jesus is there is to make a way into heaven. So we don't have to try ourselves. Um, and we don't, we don't, we don't have to do anything. And I even put down like some people to say you have to be baptized to go to heaven. Now this is, could be a, like a, uh, denominational debate because there, are, there is scripture that says, believe and be baptized and you'll be saved. And, uh, I'll get into that, that bit in a second. Um, but there's also like, you have to be a member of a specific denomination to earn your way into heaven. And, you know, barring the presbytery or John the Baptist, like naming off these specific denominations is kind of a moot point because it's not even in the Bible. And like, Hmm. I mean, there are certain Baptist denominations that claim John the Baptist was the first Baptist because that was his name. Um, which really isn't that relevant. And then, I don't know. There, there's just not a foundation for that. Like, you have to be a member on paper. You have to be on a mm. roster. That's not what the Bible says. Um, speaking of getting to heaven, uh, not only... Do you not have to be good, but you're also not going to become an angel and get wings when you go to heaven either. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that. And I've, I've, I've been in a conversation in like two separate occasions where people brought that up for some reason. Um, once when I was at work, just sitting at a table. And then once I was at a friend's house from church and they're like, yeah, like we're going to get the wing and we get to heaven. We can have our wings. I'm like, you know, that's not, that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe as like a colloquial like analogy yeah sure you know just you know kind of a a saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean they i think they spe- specified too like we're gonna become angels it's like no angels are completely different beings like if you actually study it like you'll know that they're created beings and, uh, in Buddhism, it, it might be possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the the Bible says that we're going to judge angels. Like the body of Christ will actually be like the judge of angels. Like we'll we'll be like the rulers of the angels, and the angels are watching us right now. And and there's like a whole dichotomy of angels. Listen to the the episode on angels, or what? I think we have an episode on angels, <laughs> oh, but we do. Believe me, um, we do. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we were said we're getting new bodies. It doesn't say we're going to get angel bodies. The Bible actually says angels are spirits. So, like, we can't get a new body and have be a angelic spirit at the same time. Hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, someone said that at at lunch once and like because someone was one of my friends was reading a book on like angels and demons or something like getting really deep into it um and they're like oh yeah because like we become angels when we go to heaven it's like that's actually not what the bible says and the friend's Hmm. like yeah that's not true (laughs) (laughs) uh 
And then also one other thing that kind of goes along those lines that I'm just going to spew off really quick is Peter doesn't have a checklist at the pearly gates. (laughs) There's nothing about that. I mean, he's not the bouncer. (laughs) Yeah. And they get that because probably because Jesus says like he, that he's going to give him the keys to the gates of heaven or something like that. I don't even know if that's a thing because Jesus got the keys to death and hell when he died and went into the, went into hell and he was going to build this church. Like Peter was going to be the rock on which the, that church was built. And then I don't know if he ever was handing over the keys. (laughs) Um, uh, but that's not that's a moot point anyways uh the pearly gates there are pearl gates to the new jerusalem which is a city currently in heaven that will come down to earth at one point but that's not the entrance into the only the only real estate of heaven that's just the city of heaven um was the new jerusalem so there are gates of made of one pearl, but it doesn't say check in with Peter first. <laughs> and actually mm-hmm. that kind of goes against what the Bible says about like any lists. It's going to, it's like the lamb was the only one that could open it in revelation. And we're going to like our, our names are written in the book of life. Um, but it doesn't say anywhere that Peter's going to be in charge of this list anyway. So, Yep, not a bouncer, Peter the bouncer. Nope. Um, well, speaking of speaking of heaven and hell too, um, a lot of people think that like hell is this place where Satan pokes you with his pitchfork all day, um, and devils are just going to torture you all day, and demons are going to taunt you, and like you're going to be like, but that's not really. Uh, that's not really a, the truth either because hell was created for Satan and his angels. That's their judgment too. That's not the place where they get to hang out and torture people. <laughs> that is one one that I hear a lot that people are like, man, it's like Jesus and Satan are working together because Satan's like ruling hell. And it's like, no, he's he's there too. <laughs> he's gonna be there um satan's not there now but he will be that's another thing too satan you know he's like a red slim jim devil with a (laughs) a pitchfork and horns (laughs) but he's not described that way at all um he's actually described as an angel of light he can appear as an angel of light and uh he was a covering cherub to the throne of god so the cherubim are described pretty distinctly in the Bible and angels in general can look a certain way, but they can also change their appearance too. Um, in Revelation, he's described as a dragon, a red dragon with seven heads. And there's a lot of weird things about like what Satan actually looks like or who is he or he was, is he covered in all these stones? Um, is he 
does he have wings? Like, I, I don't think we have a specific, uh, specific description besides him appearing as a dragon with seven heads in Revelation, but, um, He's not the, some guy in red tights poking or poking people around, and he's he's called the prince of the power of the air. He has dominion over the earth right now, over the world that's on the earth right now. Um, so he has dominion over the systems of the spiritual realm, at least, um, and he has access to the heavens, um, where all the other principalities and powers are. Um, in this in the universe heaven and he has access to the third heaven because we've seen him approach god's throne before um in in other scriptures but he's he doesn't have a place in heaven anymore his place is down below and at one point they're going to be kicked out of even the second heaven onto the earth and they're going to be bound to the earth uh and then eventually bound to the center of the earth which is that place that was created for him in the first place. And then he'll be dumped into the lake of fire, <clears throat> not not arming up and picking his favorite sharpened pitchfork at that time. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot, a lot of misconceptions with that. And, you know, angels and demons and devils to, in the first place. I'm not even going to go over the angels that much right now because – We've gone over that. It's just they're not they don't have big halos. They don't have big wings for the most part, unless you're a cherub or seraph. Um, and they're usually not like fl- blonde flowing women that are floating with like banners in the sky. <laughs> the only time the yeah. angels are mentioned are when they appear as a man. Or sometimes as like a, uh, as a, as an angelic spirit. Um, and then there's the cherubim, which are nothing like that at all anyway. So yeah, I think the Renaissance era kind of did a disservice to, <laughs> to accuracy. Oh yeah. There's a good one. I didn't even write this one down, but Jesus, what did he look like? <clears throat> which I think we already talked about this too on another episode, but yeah, like he's not some blonde hair, blue eye, European, white skinned male. I mean, he was from, he was he was from Nazareth. He was he was born in Bethlehem from a lineage of of Jewish people uh, in the Middle East. He was probably brown skinned. The Bible, the prophetic parts of the Bible talk about him having black hair, um, like a raven. And the custom back then was, especially in Roman occupied places, was to have like shorter cut hair. Uh, Like maybe even like, uh, you know, like the classic Roman kind of stuff or just shorter Mm. hair, not like long flowing hair down to your shoulder. Like Brian, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He had a beard because it's prophecy says that he they plucked out his beard, and uh, he was strong. He was, you know, he had to be a physical worker because I, that's how they got stuff done back then. And his dad, his his earthly father Joseph was a carpenter or mason, depending on who you ask, what the carpenter actually means. And uh, 
and he was nondescript. He he wasn't he wasn't extremely noticeable. Um, the Bible talks about that, but it also talks about that he was he he was beautiful. So he's probably some Middle Eastern looking guy that was nondescript. Just an everyday guy, you know. Yeah, exactly. I think some some movies do better jobs at portraying him than others, um, like the the Bible miniseries, eh, give or take that one. The Risen movie, the movie the uh, the movie Risen had him completely like darker skinned, darker hair. The Bi- mm-hmm. uh not the Bible, the the Chosen series has you know a Macedonian looking guy like from the that. Mediterranean Mediterranean region so uh yeah I mean that's a huge misconception I think uh the orig- like where they got the image of him like being a white guy was like uh like Caesar's son or something like a portrait of Caesar Augustus or someone like that like hmm. one of the rulers back then like had a son that they painted a picture of and it's almost exact same like finger like his hands were being held in the same like as the portraits that like catholics would have of jesus so wow yeah i don't remember if it was like caesar augustus or like someone in italy or rome or something i don't know i don't know but wow Man, there's so many more uh, misconceptions that I could probably go over. It's, oh man, like those are some of the big ones. Um, there are some debatable ones too, like, oh, you're not supposed to judge. Um, or like, why does God send people to hell? Um, which are all things scripture speaks to. So I can't like just like, give a one one sentence response to those um heck that would be a great episode let's do it (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah let's do it because that actually would yeah those make some good episodes just on their own yeah um let's see i got the the satan's pitchfork out of the way A big one that I kind of wanted to touch on really quick, which is like a whole nother series within itself, is like the contradictions in the Bible. Because that's one you hear like, oh, that book is full of contradictions. Like, how can you believe it? And I actually used to have a podcast short-lived a long time ago called Cornering the Contradictions that dealt with the Bible contradictions. And maybe one day I might revive that because that was a topic that I studied years on that like I have copious amounts of notes on that um and I even did uh, I, I mean you there are technically episodes out there on archive.org about bible contradictions I believe no I actually that might not be the bible study that I recorded but I did bible studies on it for years um about contradictions in the bible and really mm. Whenever I start a series or lesson on that, it always boils down to two points. And uh, really, the main one is one point, and it's that pesky verse in 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly dividing the word of truth, and that whole 
idea of dispensationalism um, and what is God saying to who and when is he saying it and uh, there's a lot of other factors too that like what's being said isn't really being said like in some things in Job or Ecclesiastes, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, they, they're they saying like the writers are asking hypothetical questions or are like being sarcastic um, because they're, they have no hope. And then like the last book of Ecclesiastes is like, yeah, I've been saying all things are in vain, but like God is still in control. Like, oh, that ties it all together. Like, um, and there are things like, you know, the gospels might say something and Paul says something else. And it's like, well, which one is it? Like, come on, you can't have two, two things that are contradicting each other. And, oh, that's because Jesus was dealing with an earthly purpose and, uh, and the kingdom. And then Paul is dealing with the he- a heavenly purpose and the, the body of Christ and not Israel. Um, so there's like, that's a primarily a large portion of contradictions that I find in the Bible come from that purpose that like that mm-hmm. alone. Um, and there are, there are even books that cover not specifically contradictions, but there's a saying that, you know, things that are different are not the same. Like there's a reason they're not the same. I wonder, uh, cause you mentioned that they were being sarcastic. Um, and I know in, in Buddhist texts, there, there will be moments where like the humor does not at all translate Mm. Uh, because of a cult, you know, cultural context and like, oh yeah, yep. And I mean, in Buddhism, it's like you can look at the original language and see that they were trying to make a pun or something. Yeah, and that just doesn't it obviously doesn't come across in a translation, but also the cultural translation itself. It's like, yep. If we have to explain this joke to you, it's not that funny. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's really like uh, that one thing alone is like the really the only reason that I could find for Bible contradictions. And, you know, when you compare one passage to another and you look at things like there are lots of things to consider. Um, I have so many notes on that. I'm not even going to like give an example unless you have an example you want (laughs) to ask me about. I honestly can't think of anything off the top of my head. Good. No, <laughs> but I, yeah, I used to have, uh, I had like four or five episodes. I might insert a small clip of like my intro or something from that old podcast. Cause that was gold. And I was really young too. In my, in my, uh, f- in my faith too. I didn't even know about, like, I didn't even think about right division or, you know, dispensationalism back then. Um, and I've read some books too on contradictions that like, They've missed their mark sometimes. It's like you're they're they're boiling it down to like uh, a, the, the author wrote it down wrong or something. It's like, well, now you're now you're questioning your whole basis on scripture because before they said they believe scripture is is inspired, and now you're saying the author wrote it down wrong. Like, okay, like, oh well, that actually when they were writing i think this is this is an example this is a reason someone gave 
a high, highly respected uh, uh, biblical scholar, in their book of contradictions, they put one of the reasons was, well, you see, and this actually is in another sect of uh, Christianity too, like, oh, that that was transcribed wrong when they were riding a donkey and they were transcribing the thing wrong. And there's actually another denomination of Christianity that will base their doctrine and theology on the, the donkey reason or the, 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 the donkey, uh, theory, which is like, well, that comma actually is supposed to be there because when they were riding the donkey, they put it in the wrong spot. And it was like based off of like, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Um, and there's like a whole like theology based off of the comma being missed. And it's like, that's why it, that today doesn't mean today. And like it's, it's pretty the don- intense. The donkey ride translation. Yeah, the donkey. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, that's funny. That, and that, that was the biggest thing that I, whenever like misconceptions or contradictions are brought up, that's a big one to me is the contradictions in the Bible. And I, I would love to field any questions or like, if you have something burning, like, well, this never made sense to me. Like, let me know, like, just email us Baptist and Buddhist at gmail.com. And I'll gladly respond or hash it out, discuss it with you. Um, I won't cause I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you were a guest on that podcast once. Oh I, I, yeah. I remember. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was a long, that was probably, that was a long time ago, guys. That was like yeah. almost 15 years ago now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I can't even, I can't even go on more than that because this could be so much more of a conversation, oh, yeah. but maybe a different episode, <laughs> maybe a different series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> about Buddhists though. Yeah, so what kind of misconceptions or stereotypes or whatever oh, did you I have, have? I have a few. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear them. <laughs> um, some things we've touched on before, like you worship the Buddha, the Big Belly Buddha. That's an, one that you just mentioned last episode, too. Um, there's that one. Uh, I'm just going to list off a few, and like maybe you can cover them in your in your speech. Um, but, uh, you're, uh, and maybe some of these are true and I'm just like thinking off, like, I'm just thinking like, oh, there's no way this is possible, <laughs> but, um, like <laughs> Buddhists are restricted from any type of enjoyment and they just sit around all day and meditate, um, trying <laughs> to reach enlightenment or, uh, yeah, enlightenment. I was trying to think of the Stargate term that they used, um, <laughs> And, you know, everything's Asian, like like the Taekwondo thing we were talking about last episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, answer. Those, oh, so, <laughs> gee, what was your first one? Uh, Worshipping the Buddha. Wor- oh, yeah, that's actually the first one on my list that yeah, I have. I that, knew it, uh, I knew it. That there's a huge misconception that the, the Buddha is a god and that we worship him. Mm. And... I mean, I'm not even going to get on 
to like very uninformed people who think that we worship uh, Muhammad. (laughs) (laughs) We should just know. (laughs) Yeah, that's not even something that we need to talk about. That's just plain wrong. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but the Buddha, people think the Buddha is the god of Buddhism. When that's just, that's just not right. He's not a god. uh, He's a person who through his own efforts attained extinguishment, uh, attained Nibbana, attained liberation. Um, and like, I, I'll hear a lot of, uh, some teachers say there's nothing special about that because that's something everyone can do if you want to, um, gain enlightenment. It's not specific to one special person. He just happened to be the first one in this era, in this eon that just so happened to discover that because he was curious. (laughs) It's like, hmm, I wonder how to be truly happy. And he just, he, he had the right circumstances and was, and learned from learned these other like practices that just didn't really work out for him first of all like at first and then it was like ooh but I could implement this you know the ascetic practices he learned under teachers it's like ooh that was that was a little extreme maybe if we tone it down a little and actually like enjoy what we're doing maybe we'll actually be able to get somewhere so yeah he, the buddha is not a god we you know people who bow to a buddha statue uh, there's a lot of interpretations on what the the bowing means. Some people, it's, oh, you're bowing to to your Buddha nature, your your possibility of enlightenment. You know that that enlightened mind that's just covered in our tendencies in us. Um, and people bow to Buddhist Buddhist statues because they're they're honoring the original teacher of the Dharma. Um, like, Ooh, thank you so much. Like this is an incredible opportunity to be exposed to these teachings that have helped me, you know, is there like maybe in some forms, like maybe like bowing down to an image of Buddha or something is kind of like, uh, to normalize Buddhism in a world of all these other religions where like that's normal to bow down to some image or something or is it strictly for those like different reasons like you know trying to make it look good I guess or like attract people to that way I don't know I'm just thinking off the cuff yeah I don't quite follow but I think it's because it's just that's not applicable okay (laughs) Of, and then you you get you do get in certain traditions like Vajrayana, where you have not the Buddha but another enlightened being that you're bowing to. Um, and my take, my understanding is that these bodhisattvas, these enlightened beings, you're bowing to. Sometimes you form a practice around a specific being, a deity. They'll be called sometimes, um, bec- not because they're like. You know, you could you could believe that they're a real being that gained enlightenment sometime, but 
also because they represent an aspect of the enlightened mind and maybe you're working with you know purification and so you go with vajrasattva or compassion so you go to kuan yin or tara and but in my practice that's not really applicable uh and you'll hear gods and goddesses or deities uh, while talking about these other enlightened beings, but that's just kind of a just not a really fitting f- term for those, to be honest. Like uh, when you hear about gods being talked in Buddhism, uh, talked about you know they're the, they're usually devas, which are just like a a kind of spirit being an angel sometimes they're called instead of gods Hmm. it's just another realm of existence literal or figurative that is impermanent anyway (laughs) um but yeah in short buddha is not a god and speaking of statues and the buddha and everything there's a another very major misconception that i come across all the time uh to uninformed people that the Buddha is the the round bellied jolly old guy, you know. Big belly right, Buddha. Buddha. Yeah, you're always. Oh yeah, you're Buddhist. You must be laughing all the time, and you know. And yeah, a lot of Buddhists find a lot of peace and happiness in the practice, but that's not the Buddha. That is, uh, I believe, an eighth century Chinese monk um, named. Uh, well, it depends on the culture. Sometimes he's Hotai. Sometimes he's Bodai. I can see the confusion there, but, um, and some traditions specifically think he is going to be the future Buddha, uh, the future, the future Buddha being, being named Maitreya, which actually comes from Metta, or I think in Sanskrit it's Maitri. I'm, I'm really very bad at Sanskrit apparently. Um, I know Pali way more, um, but which means loving kindness. So there's this like aspect of the enlightened mind that is tied to the future Buddha. Um, whenever the current Buddhist teachings are long forgotten because they too are impermanent, um, another Buddha will appear eventually just because someone else will get curious and, you know, stumble on the path and find enlightenment. Um, Another small misconception that we get a lot, that I get a lot, especially when someone finds out I'm Buddhist or something, one of the first things, you know, like, first, the first image, I guess, that comes to people's minds, like, oh, you're meditating, om, Um, (laughs) but om, while used in some uh, Sanskrit mantras in Mahayana Buddhism and Vajrayana Buddhism, is it not a Buddhist thing? Like we don't sit around chanting Om. Um, that's actually some forms of Hinduism, and Om, the syllable in Hinduism, I, it, as far as I understand, is like the the sound that it, that reality came out of. And there's like a lot of symbolism in it. It's usually spelled A U M, like hmm. tr- like real, like the real Om, not just O M. Um, and each each part of the syllable has a, a meaning cosmologically, but I'm not very well versed in that. So all I can say is that it's not a Buddhist thing. 
Um, and some people also think that, well, these next two points kind of go hand in hand, but some people think that Buddhism is really negative because it focuses on suffering. Like, wow, that's, that's, that's harsh. (laughs) Um, because the first noble truth is like existence is characterized by suffering. You know, there's going to be suffering in life eventually. Like it's unavoidable. And yeah, that's like, wow, that's way to, way to, you know, be a Debbie Downer or whatever. Bring like, down the room. Yeah. Um, but they conveniently stop at the first noble truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the other noble truths say that, oh, like you, there is an end to suffering, you know, <laughs> like you can be happy, you know, there's a way to actually find some peace in within this torrent of suffering um and it kind of ties to the idea that buddhism is nihilistic that nothing matters you know there's nothing's real um and i get that from some some buddhists too it's like well well you know this moment's not real anyway um and that's Hmm. that's kind of a misunderstanding of uh Probably of the concept of anatta, which is not self, um, which I think Buddhism in general, like a, especially like Western Buddhism, gets this point kind of wrong and might even start leaning into a nihilistic uh, kind of understanding uh, because it's like, oh, the self's not real, the self's an illusion. Uh, the the Buddha actually never said there's no self. He said the self is, and he, honestly, even he he doesn't make this as a statement. He offers how to view the self as a as a as a tool of practice, um, and really, I think it's to stop to to help stop the clinging to the self to the ego, and he describes it as, you know, aggregates, you know, these, these piles, uh, the, they're called the five khandas. Um, and sometimes they are literally translated as five heaps. You have these five impermanent heaps that come together to form the kind of the concept of self. And that's like the physical form, mental volition, consciousness, the, you know, feeling like Vedana. So the sensations like five, the five physical senses Mm. and the one mental sense. um, The Buddha offers this as kind of a, a tool to as like an inner reflection, inner investigation, like where, where's the self, where, where's a continuing self? Like, can we find it in our experience? Um, and that leads to like this kind of non-clinging of self. And so a lot of people say, yep, there's no self. It's all an illusion. Everything's an illusion. Um, nothing's real. Um, and if that was the case, then there's really no point in the practice. <laughs> um, and especially um, one of my favorite suttas, uh, Vachagota on fire. Um, so he asks the Buddha... 
Vachagota asks the Buddha these these extraordinarily existential questions. Uh, you know, is is there a self? Is the self continuous? Is you know, the is the is the is the universe continuous and never ending? And the Buddha's like, there's like the I don't hold a view on that, hmm. and it leads to questions about the the self and. It's like there's, I don't hold a view on that, you know. And the view he holds is like, phenomena is, dukkha, and <laughs> and there's an end to dukkha and uh, stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's not Buddhism is expressly not nihilistic. It's actually, uh, it's the middle way between nihilism and what's called eternalism, which is the belief in a continuing, never-ending. Uh, self and so the, the Buddha chose, chooses a, a middle way between the two um, so Buddhism is definitely not nihilistic and I, I someone told me that once it's like you know Buddhism is so nihilistic and like so opposed to hedonism and enjoyment and which is something you brought up like oh you can't enjoy anything yeah. <laughs> and that's not true either. Um, <laughs> we can enjoy things. Uh, it's, you know, the, the biggest part of the practice is like not clinging to things. So you can enjoy something and not rely on it to bring that ultimate happiness. Like, hmm. and we all, we've all experienced that. Like, Oh, I can't wait to, I can't wait to go to this event. Oh, the event is canceled. My life is ruined. <laughs> Yeah, and that, I mean any aspect of life that can come out, come about. Um, so the last few things I have actually came about out of uh, a conversation uh, in, in in wow an interview I had with uh, a monk via Zoom when I was doing a school project on the culture of Buddhist monasticism and. Uh, one of the one the one of the topics in cult, in the study of culture is stereotypes. So I asked him, "What are some stereotypes and misconceptions that Buddhist monks get?" And he said, uh, "The monk monks people think a lot of people conflate like Catholic monks and and the like uh, oh. with how Buddhist monks act. You know, they're reclusive. They don't interact with lay people or the rest yeah. of the world." Vows of silence and yep. monks don't Buddhist monks don't take vows of silence. Um, they take vows of of noble speech of of right speech to avoid, you know, stirring the pot or whatever, uh, or you know, offending someone or you know, doing violence with words. Um, definitely not silent though. Um, some of them can be pretty chatty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they're not they don't they're not reclusive they actually rely on lay people for their livelihood you know they get alms uh you know donations of food to help them subsist every single day hmm. and they and lay people also rely on monks as a form you know of teaching and and ritual and stuff um so yeah it's just completely a misconception that they are these stoic people hiding in the woods. Um, 
And the other one uh, is that monks are not all martial artists. <laughs> what? I, don't I know, right? No. I think some traditions practice a martial art form, like very few and far between. But uh, in general, monks don't practice martial arts and uh they uh actually the buddha like his main form of exercise was walking so he wasn't out there swinging a quarter staff or anything come on that yeah. just ruined my whole image of the buddha no <laughs> and one <laughs> and one of the big ones is not all buddhists not all buddhist monks not all lay buddhists are vegetarian it blows people's minds, but um, especially monks who who rely on alms rounds, oh, yeah. they don't get a say with what they eat. And so lay people will, oh, I got some chicken cooked. You can have some, you know. Um, mm. And I know some Western people who ordain and go over to Thailand or something, they'll get like food that they probably don't want to eat, like frog soup and stuff like that can kind of, you know, shock them, but it's part of the practice to accept food and and they are encouraged not to enjoy it as a, a sense experience, but as a... Just hold your as, nose and gulf it down. <laughs> yeah. Swallow the frog. Um, Swallow the frog. <laughs> but they, you know, they, it's, food is a, a source of energy, a source of continuation. <laughs> um, and actually, I think... Um, I think some Mahayana monks might also might actually be vegetarian, and I know there's a huge push in the in Buddhism in general among the monks to encourage the lay people to donate vegetarian. Um, but I mean, most a lot of lay Buddhists are vegetarian, and it's not a commandment. It's not the Buddha never taught vegetarianism. The Buddha ate meat. Um, but it it comes from a personal practice of, especially when you look at the five precepts that someone takes, the first one is not to take life, and people see eating meat as a form, as an indirect form of taking life, of supporting the taking of life. And also, there's this general underlying idea of ahimsa in Buddhism, non-harming, while well, eating meat indirectly causes harming so maybe we don't eat it um <laughs> it's all a personal choice but that's i think that was my whole list so let me ask you one yeah why don't you have a shaved head <laughs> i know i have this like lush beard and this long long hair yeah. well that's something monks do they shave their head what if everyone became monk? How would they get fed? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I don't think Buddhism in general expects everyone to become monks. What if? <laughs> <laughs> because the Buddha actually talked about a fourfold assembly of practitioners. Oh. Male monks, female monks, male lay people, and female lay people. And the fourfold assembly supports itself as a community hmm, interesting yeah man 
so Buddhists, you know, uh, there's a, an author that has the greatest Buddhist book titles. Like, don't just do something, sit there. My favorite, uh, my favorite title of all time. But she has one that's like, that's funny, you don't look Buddhist. Kind of like playing off of the, that's funny, you don't look Jewish. Buddhists look like everyone, you know? Not all Buddhists look like me. <laughs> Not all Buddhists are long-haired hippies. <laughs> um, do do you do you feel like people have to be like they feel like they have to be like careful around you after you say that after you say you're Buddhist? I find some people do. Um, like they'll apologize if they say a curse word yeah. or something. I was gonna bring I'm that like, up too. Like, literally... oh, you're cursing. Oh, I'm so sorry for cursing so much. It's like, I'm not that weak. It's okay. I'm just like, I do not care. You know, it almost offends me that you think I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm just a person, just like you. You could say whatever you want. It's a free country. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's that. That's a good point. Like once people find out, it's like they kind of, they don't treat you different, but they, they kind of do. They kind of do. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure as we continue on these episodes, we will find more. So it might even become like a segment or something like today's misconception or something like, because yeah. it's uh, we've seen it in prior episodes we'll see it going forward so it's and if any viewer has you know knows of a misconception they may have hold that turned out to be wrong or has yeah. you know an assumption that they're like is this true you yeah, can burning questions email us let yeah. us know baptist and buddhist at gmail.com that's baptist and buddhist at gmail.com google up how to spell those <laughs> oh man it's b-u-d-d-h-i-s-t buddhist there's no a between h (laughs) d and h (laughs) Hmm, okay (laughs) (laughs) and it's not baptist i heard someone say that baptist it's baptist baptist B-A-P-T-I-S-T. And See, there's, A-N-D. A, there's another misconception on how to spell religions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's... Oh, there's so much more we could talk about on these, and we could literally make it a series. But we're not, because this series will cover lots more to come. This um, isn't the final episode. There's still a ton more to talk about. Yeah, there is, and we're, we're going to have some good, good episodes coming up. Some some holiday specials spinned in there that will blow your mind and you will just like, I never knew that was even a thing. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Okay. Um, um, other than that, man, I think that will be it for this episode, guys. Again, reach out to us if you have anything. We can always do a part two if you guys are just have burning questions or we'll make it a segment um, yeah, if you guys definitely. ask us that kind of stuff. So, um, Buddhist at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, 
the more you guys follow us and interact, the more we'll post because we don't post that much at all or <laughs> reach out there. Find us on YouTube and all the apps that contain podcasts out there. Give us some reviews if you want to review us. We won't say no because we can't. <laughs> but, other than, <laughs> but other than that, that's that's about it. So... Thank you guys so much for listening and watching, and um, I hope you learned something. Listening, I hope in, yeah. you enjoyed something. Yeah, exactly. Or with non attachment. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, on that note, this has been the Baptist and the Buddhist with Mark and Brian, and we will see you next time. apologizing for your cravings that's what the buddhists do <laughs> <laughs>